0: Welcome to the Healthy Rich podcast, where we're talking with leaders and creators in finance, fintech, and beyond about how we can make money better for everyone. I'm your host, Dana Miranda, a personal finance educator and the founder of Healthy Rich, a platform for inclusive, budget free financial education. My guest today is Jen Smith. Jen is a personal finance expert and co host of the top rated Frugal Friends podcast. With over 200 episodes and more than 2.5 million downloads, Frugal Friends is changing the way the world thinks about frugality. Since paying off $78,000 of debt in two years, Jen has been on a mission to help people spend in alignment with their values and live for today while saving for tomorrow. She's the author of two best selling books on controlling your spending and paying off debt The No Spend Challenge Guide and Pay Off Your Debt for Good. Hey, Jen, thank you so much for being here. Um, really excited to dive into your story today um, and hear about the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, thanks so much um, for having me, Frugal Dana. Friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. Um, so let's start with where you're at right now. Um, I love the way um, in your work with Frugal Friends how you approach and define frugality. Can you talk about what frugality means to you now?
1: Yeah. So I I think our goal with Frugal Friends, um, at least now, I don't know if it's always been, but um, I think we really want to take away this notion that frugality is kind of like your grandmother's way of living or even your great-grandmother's way of living, that it is deprivation. It is something you do out of extreme need. Uh, And so we really believe that frugality is this beautiful, simplified, free way of living, that it's really being a good steward of your resources. And who doesn't want to use the resources they have To the best of their ability and steward them well so traditionally we think of frugality as being just money but we really think you can be frugal with your time which is your actual only finite resource Um, your natural resources your physical space um, and even like your mental space your mental energy your schedule and so it's just the the things that you have that are not unlimited being intentional and stewarding those things well That's what we feel frugality is. And when you view it that way, it's this beautiful lifestyle uh, that can just make you feel like confident and excited about the way you're doing life. I love that to take,
0: because I think when often when people hear the word frugal or frugality, that that restriction is the first thing that you think of. And so I love that you've taken it and given it this very, this sense of freedom um because i think it it really opened up the concept for me personally because i am a very i'm very inclined to live frugally but in personal finance when i heard the word frugal and and you know how i feel about the word budget and budgeting as well that i really kind of rejected the idea of frugality because it felt like restriction and the way that you talk about it Um, just being a good steward and making the most of those resources is something that really resonated with me where I have the freedom to do with them what I want, um, but that my sort of natural inclination to make the most of them and to uh, not overuse and, and to be a good steward fits into that. It doesn't mean that I'm being like, Restrictive or depriving myself yeah. necessarily. Yeah. So I love that. How did you come to that from the kind of definite, the traditional perspective of frugality? How did you bring all of that into it?
1: Well, it was kind of like a journey, like starting with all of these influencers saying that you, that, that personal, anything you do in life has to be extreme. Like, really anything, anywhere, um, for whatever you're doing. Like, if you're, you know, yes. an entrepreneur, you have to be an extreme entrepreneur and a digital nomad. Or if you're a mom, you have to be an extreme mom and do all the things. And like, nothing is ever, like, even balance. When you talk about, like, see people talking about balance, it's like extreme balance. There can't be any times of, you know, being extreme <laughs> in your life. So I was yes. just like none yeah. of this is sustainable. And I thought about that with frugality. Like um so my husband and I uh we started paying off our student loans when we got married in 2015. And neither of us made a big income. Uh I was employed part-time cuz that's the most I as most hours I could get. Um So I made about like $35,000 a year and my husband, Travis, was unemployed and we decided to start paying off our student loans and we had $78,000 of debt. So we really thought this was going to take us five years. So we wanted to, him especially, wanted to buckle down and, and do this because we realized if we sacrifice some things up front... That we can have a lot more freedom down the road. Um, and that the best, the quote unquote best years of our lives are 20s, like they don't have to be restricted to our 20s. Like we could, you know, if we sacrifice a few years now, like we could have those best years in our 30s, 40s, 50s beyond. And when I was doing research into how to do this, all of the methods were extreme, like extreme side hustling, extreme frugality. Um, extreme living and deprivation and Mm -hmm. and it was so hard. (laughs) Paying off debt quickly is hard. That's Mm -hmm. I, I cannot sugarcoat that. I cannot tell you it is not hard. It is difficult. But I made it so much more difficult by my like all or nothing kind of personality. So like I played right into the extreme lifestyle. I'm like extreme, I'm here for it. So I'm going all in. I went all in on the side hustles first because I was like, I'm already buying generic at the grocery store. So I'm frugal. Like that's it. That's that's what that means, I guess. And after two months of side hustling, like nonstop, like before I went to work on my lunch break, after I got home till I went to bed, I got shingles from the stress. Oh my goodness. Right. And this is
0: before you had a child. Absolutely. Yes. This is before I had a child.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, We had just gotten married. So we were like newlyweds in our mid-20s. So we got, I thought I had the energy for this, but my body said, you actually do not. Yeah. And so that's when I started getting into um, frugality after that, because I was like, okay, well, I can't make money to solve this problem, or at least I have to incorporate something else into the equation to solve um, the debt problem. But that was like that's what I did not want. I did not want to do the extreme frugality thing, um, and so that led me on a journey of kind of doing no spend challenges. So I'd like do a month extreme, and then you know I'd kind of go back. But I thought I was just doing a challenge to kind of save a lot of money quickly. But the challenges start to sh- started to show me what I really value and what I didn't, and I was mm-hmm. able to take. What I learned from these no spend challenges and figure out, kind of my own definition, early definition of values based spending, so I could spend without guilt on the things that I really loved, and then I totally eliminated the things that I didn't really think about that I was just mindlessly spending on, and so that was kind of the journey that took me to uh, to even when we started the Frugal Friends podcast, and I. I we had like this kind of like baseline idea of it, but just over four years, it's really like solidified into this idea of like good stewardship.
0: Yeah. And you, you also talk about something called the radical middle. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that means too? It's such a beautiful phrase.
1: Yeah. It's this fight back against extreme ideas. Um, So like extremely old or extremely new. It's, anything, you know, like extreme, it's finding your middle. And that's to to us, it's radical, because people don't go viral talking about like, what's best for you. Um, they go viral talking right. about like, new ideas that may or may not be healthy for you. And they get, you know, go viral with their like, step by step plan. And not all the steps may be right for you. Uh, so in the beginning, it's it's great to cling on to something that's concrete when you have so many ideas, you're not really sure um, what's right or wrong, what works for you. It's really okay and good to cling on to these people with solid ideas. But after you get your footing, like after a few months, you have to start figuring out, okay, what's my radical middle? Like what works for me, my family, the season I'm in in life, because what may have worked for you six months ago may not work for you today. And you really have to start developing your own sense of self in your personal finance journey.
0: Want more from Healthy Rich? On our website, you'll find stories that explore the ways money intersects with our culture and individual lives from writers whose voices you won't hear anywhere else in personal finance media. Soon, we'll launch live virtual classes to offer inclusive, budget-free financial education that makes money better for everyone. Be the first to know when we've got something new to offer by signing up for the Healthy Rich newsletter. Head over to healthyrich.co after the episode to join us in this new kind of conversation about money. And now, back to the show. Yeah, I think. And so that's what I hear you talk about a lot, too. Um, so I want to talk about the beginning of your journey a little bit, because you talk about this idea of needing to do a few things. You've, you've said the same thing around budgeting as well of like sometimes you kind of need to do follow those basic steps or follow like one person's plan or something for a while to kind of get your footing before figuring out what it all means for you and finding your own radical middle so can you talk was dave ramsey for you like that thing that helped you get that footing in initially Mm -hmm. um and how did you how did you come to your financial journey and how did you get started
1: yeah absolutely the loudest voice in the room always gets heard first and so i think at least in 2015, when we started, that was definitely the, the most publicized, um, voice on personal finance, um, at least in the circles that I ran in. So that was, um, we had a copy of the total money makeover that we had never opened. I don't even know how Mm -hmm. I found it, but Found it, read it, and it was a bunch of like inspiring stories of people paying off debt and then a just a simple seven step plan, like his baby steps. And it yeah. was like enough to where I can, I could wrap my head around it. Like I can wrap my head around seven steps and to see like results from people. And those were the two big things that he has. Going for him, the simplicity of his plan mm-hmm. and the results on his on his radio show, having the debt free screams and having all those results in his books, um, and those are those are great. Those were really what I needed to get started. I I couldn't have wrapped my head around like a complex personal finance course. Um, I really just needed to sit here. This is this is what you do. Here's success from people who've done it, so I kind of have the knowledge of what to do and the inspiration that I could do it. And so, kind of that first step to break in and say
0: this is actually possible mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. Um, yeah, Dave, the Dave Ramsey plan does for a lot of people. Well,
1: I think that's the biggest hurdle that people face, even more than money, because. quote unquote, a lot of money or enough money is different for everyone. Enough, you ask like 10 people what enough is, you're going to probably get 20 answers. So, you know, like the the belief that you can do it is the first and biggest hurdle. Um, And so like I listened to the Dave Ramsey show, like specifically for the debt-free screams. Like I needed to hear those every day. That we were on our debt free journey because in the moments when it got hard, like I needed to hear there were people like us doing and accomplishing what we were doing, um, and what I and but there were so many things I needed to hear that I didn't know that I needed to hear, like that it's okay to learn about other stuff, um, other personal finance things, like it's okay to take a pause when you need to, like. It's okay mm. that you have debt. That you got into debt. Debt. There's there's no shame in that. I felt a lot of shame and guilt for having debt because that's a big yes. part of his his platform. Um, and so there were there were so many things that I needed to hear that I was missing that I wasn't getting during that journey. Um, and so I clung to these two things: the simplicity and the motivation of of that plan. For a lot longer than I should have. Um, just because I didn't know that there was anything else out there. How did
0: you find everything else that was out there? How did you come to that understanding?
1: It, it started with me writing about personal finance. So I, mm-hmm. I just started blogging about um, when, when things got hard for me, helping other people helped make it easier. And so people mm-hmm. were always saying like, oh, this is so great. You like paid off your student loans. Like, that's awesome. How'd you do it? And so I would just start going into some of the ways that we were lowering our expenses and increasing our income. And so I started writing about those things because I was kind of tired of saying the same thing over again. So I just write it and then direct people to like my yeah. f- like <laughs> blog spot or whatever. And so mm-hmm. that got me to see all of the other people who were tired of explaining their stories and were writing about it in other personal finance blogs. And that opened me up to this whole um, other world of personal finance um, ideas and writers and podcasters. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: I, my, journey, I kind of came to it in the same way of I learned about personal finance relief through writing about it and just learned about the space from working in it. Um, My extreme was kind of on the other end of it. Instead of going for extreme frugality and fast debt payoff, I had um, very low income and a lot of debt and just went to the side of there's never gonna be anything I can do about this. So I'm just gonna bury my head in the sand and never look at my debt, never look at my credit score, um, assume that I'm going to make a low income forever and just be broke and just figure out how to live life in that way. And then when I started writing in personal finance, I started learning about the systems and kind of how all of these things, like how the how debt worked and how money management works and um, learned a lot of these things. And so I didn't go towards the extreme, like I wasn't suddenly on a fire journey or a huge debt payoff journey, but I was like empowered with this information that I hadn't had. Um, and that was really helpful for me, but it was kind of through the same sort of um, the same kinds of steps was just like starting to write about it. That's how I ended up actually learning about it and Mm -hmm. finding about all the people that were in the space doing this in kind of different ways. Um, So I found that really interesting too. But your description of kind of the extremes, I think we were probably around the same time period where like, on opposite ends of mm-hmm. that spectrum of how to deal with a difficult financial situation, yeah. but right before um,
1: this, I was right where you were. Like before I got married, mm-hmm. I was like too much debt, not enough income, bury head in sand, and pay less than the interest accruing every month. Like that's exactly right. where I was, um, and I actually didn't want to pay off our student loans when we when we got married, but Travis was adamant that he was going to pay off his, and his was like half of what mine was. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think if we're going to make this work, I kind of have to be on board, but I don't want to be on board. But he really encouraged me. He's like, you have dreams and how much easier will they be to accomplish if you're not fighting this $50,000 like pile of debt? And so mm-hmm. that inspired me to, to get on board. But before that, I was like, Yeah, I don't. This is overwhelming, gave me so much anxiety. And no matter how many times I budgeted, I couldn't stick to one. And it's because I was making a pretend budget, like I was making the perfect budget, and I'm not a perfect person. Um, And so, like, nobody told me that the budget is not the solution. Everyone is actually telling me the budget is the solution. Um, Right. Sticking to a budget is the solution. So if you are making a perfect budget and you're not a perfect person, like you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, Right. So So the
0: budget, any budget that someone else gives you is not the right solution for you. Right.
1: Or even, yeah, the perfect budget, which takes all of your necessities and has no discretionary income, um, Mm -hmm. or is maybe made off of a template like that puts like $10 a month for clothing. And I'm like, I don't buy clothes every month. Like why am I putting right. $10 a month towards clothing? What am I even going to buy for $10? Like, <laughs> I, just, I mean, so, so many like insane mistakes <laughs> that everybody yeah. makes.
0: Yeah. If there's, <laughs> I hear from a lot of people that they're, um, whether it's debt payoff or improving your credit score or just like looking at your finances and understanding them for the first time often happens when someone gets married um, in the same way that it did for you, mm-hmm. in your experience, what do you what do you think is happening there? Like, what is it about coming together with another person that seems to change your perspective on your finances?
1: Well, I think it's any major life change, anything that really steers the direction of your life. In a very drastic course than it was before. So that is um, marriage. I know a lot of people um, when they have kids, like their first kid, it happens. Um, I think those are the two biggest things: divorce. It can happen there, um, or somebody like close to you dying. So the marriage part, marriage one is is kind of just the easiest one because then you are gaining a second income. So. It's very logical that you'd be talking about your finances, Um, but when you lose income as well, either through divorce or death or a baby, I think those are equally as um, catalytic.
0: Yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. I think it also um, kind of ties back to what you, the way that you define frugality, which is involving all of these pieces of your life in addition to your money, is that people take a deep look at their finances when there's a major life change or there's just a major change in your finances when there's a major life change because money is this like interwoven piece of our lives rather than this very separate piece that can just follow its own sort of financial rules. Um that come you know are handed down from like economists rather than a piece of our life that ebbs and flows with the rest of everything else that's going on so that's something that i why your approach to frugality really resonates with me too is because it's thinking about all of these other things and really seamlessly fitting money into what um, your co-host jill refers to a lot as your whole personhood which mm-hmm. i really like yeah. um it's a Great reminder. Um, it's a huge piece that I see missing in personal finance education so much is just focusing on those numbers. Um and it's something a little bit, and you're much more familiar with Dave Ramsey's teachings than I am. Um I came into personal finance kind of as we were starting to expand beyond the um the Ramsey approach. And so there were some things like debt snowball is still really talked about in like every personal finance space. Um, And so there are a lot of things that are incorporated elsewhere, but people are starting to move in their own directions and kind of figure out sort of take the next step. It's like the next generation of personal finance education. Mm -hmm. Um, But one critique that I see and, and one thing that keeps me from really diving into the like the baby steps or any of the kind of Ramsey method or approach is that sort of all or nothing like one right approach to money um that doesn't take into account anything else that's kind of going on in your life mm-hmm. or any direction that your life might take. Was that your experience too? Like, am I seeing that accurately?
1: Yeah. So that's definitely part of it. Like I have... I talk about this for an entire hour in the um should you still be listening to Dave Ramsey episode on Frugal Friends Podcast? Yes. It is our most, it's um, our number definitely one. Definitely the downloaded. catalyst for yeah. this
0: yeah. conversation. So everyone should listen to yeah. it. It's
1: fantastic. Um, but but I will say, I think the catalyst was um, first. I, I listened to an episode of Choose FI about um, the, the Ramsey baby steps. And that was the first time I had heard somebody that I kind of respect and agree with deviate from the Dave Ramsey method because before that I had no I had no friends in personal finance. Um, and so, and this was while we were still paying off debt. Or maybe like right after, somewhere um, 2017, 2018. And and I as I did more researched, I realized that when when in 1989, 1990, when the baby steps were formed, like the things he was saying um, were quite smart. They were actually quite forward thinking. Um, and and they were very good for the for the general masses. We didn't have the internet, um, we didn't have a lot of the regulations we have now. Uh, so much of the technology that we rely on in investing and banking was not around then. Um, and mm-hmm. so, it was really quite, and and most people there was still a solid middle class then, um, and so now there is a shift in landscape, but there has not been a shift in approach. There, I mean, you can see even numbers wise inflation. When um, the baby steps came out with the thousand dollar starter emergency fund with inflation, that is now two thousand dollars, and so still there's been no no growth. Um, so. Mm-hmm. That's what I started to see. And I started to say that's not that this has always been like devious, like this plan has always been self-serving, um, but that technology has made it so much easier to invest in so much more affordable um, and that there are shifts in the economic landscape, in the um in regulations, in even between like the middle class and income, like there are more complexities as you would imagine after 30 years. So that is what ultimately like led me to say like I choose to go my own way and I can't support this method anymore. Um, and and that coupled with, um, I think the show got more, um, abrasive over the years. So when I was listening, it was, um, it didn't seem abrasive. Like it didn't seem, um, accusatory or maybe a little accusatory, but it didn't seem so like shame based. Um, -hmm. but I just think over the years that he, as a businessman has catered to the things that get the biggest reaction, like all press is good press. Um, and so that when, when I had a friend say she was listening to Dave Ramsey and her child in the backseat was like, why is this man so mean to people? Like, Oh no. Yeah. That was, that was it. Right. That was it for her. Mm -hmm. That was it for me. Like that was it. And so those are the two biggest reasons that I, um, because before it was like, you know what, it's not the best, but it's also not the worst and he's not hurting people, um, but then it kind of progressed into to that. And, and shame and guilt-based um, motivation, they work very fast. Um, when you can make somebody mm. feel shame and guilt about their debt, they are going to pay it off quickly. I know. It's what I found. <laughs> I did right. it. I played into it. It's not the healthiest way. And so positive reinforcement and quote-unquote balance or just the radical middle – It takes longer, uh, but it gets you to the end with fewer scars than the other method. And so that's, we're okay taking the long way around if it gets us to the end in a better place because the ends never justify the means in anything. And we truly believe ends never justify means. Means are all we have. The journey is all we have because the destination isn't promised and isn't worth it if you got there through misery or manipulation or mooching or what, what have you. If you've lost everyone along the way, it's not worth it. Um, and so that yeah. is in a nutshell, my view. <laughs> I
0: That's fantastic. I, I can't remember if it was on the same podcast episode or another one, but you also said um, something along the lines of the journey is all we have because the the destination is literally death, like that is the <laughs> <Yeah>. end. So <laughs> until then, often, we are actually. on the journey. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's it's so great. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's not actually an end. You know, your destination isn't debt payoff. Your destination isn't a certain income. It's not um, a certain credit score. It's not a certain job. Like the journey continues once. Those milestones are hit and then you create new milestones and you continue to live like nothing actually kind of ends. And so I think that's a really important reminder that if you are living your life right now for only that. Um, That one payoff that you think Mm -hmm. you're going to get, you understand what that means after you hit that milestone. What does that mean for your relationship with money and your relationships with the people in your life um, and your relationship with work and um, and just your understanding of yourself for your life after hitting that milestone? I think that's um, that's why with Healthy Rich we talk a lot more about your relationship with money rather than kind of not as much about specific money goals and not as much about specific methods, but just understanding what that means, what money means in your life, and how it fits into everything that you do um, in your life. Because money itself can't can't be the the end goal, and um, and it. And it Yeah, it's more than just a means to a specific end as well. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just one more piece of the journey that you have to attend to as you go.
1: Yeah. Money is only a tool to get you the things you want. Like money is is not the thing you want. Like to have like stacks of cash in your hand or a number in a bank account, that that isn't just what you want. Like what it gives you, it's you see that number and you have security. So security is actually what you wanted. It's not the number. Um, or, or the multitude of other things that money buys you or affords you, like that's the end. That's what you want. It's not the cash. Um, and that's why it's so important to look at your whole personhood and how money touches everything and, and be really focusing on the whole personhood, not just the money. Because I think sometimes when we focus on the money, we, we tend to focus more on things, and we actually forget what we really want. From life, because we're just thinking about what can we afford, whether we have money or don't. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that can
0: lead both ways. I talk a lot about avoiding deprivation and restriction, but I think when you're thinking about building a life that you can afford, that can also lead to a life of overconsumption once you can afford more too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's—I don't have a specific definition for that. There's Mm -hmm. not anything that is too much consumption. It's just like whatever works for you.
1: I like but to yes. use the hedonic Ooh, treadmill. Oh, that's a great phrase. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, or hedonic adaptation. It's the tre- it's literally a treadmill. Yes. The more you go and pursue the buying things that you think will make you happy, the more your happiness your your happiness level that you what will make you happy just keeps going up and up and up, so you never reach that enough point. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's the it's what I call the fantasy of being rich. Is you feel yeah. like there's a point Absolutely. you need to get to. No one can ever actually name that point nope. either. Um and then again, it's never actually the end point. You just keep going. So, yeah, I think it's um it's really sad it's kind of a lot of just what is taught. Um I'm actually curious your take because you um it doesn't sound like you were and your husband were necessarily on a FIRE journey, but that you were following a lot of financial independence and and uh retire early bloggers and podcasters on their journeys. Mm -hmm. Um, What what do you take from that approach? Like, what do you think is beneficial? What do you think is um, harmful? And what, I don't know, I'm just curious of kind of your take on the FIRE journey. It's always been such an interesting piece of personal finance for me.
1: Yeah. I have strong opinions there too. I feel like it's it ramped up partly from um, – so I refer to it as like I had a debt payoff hangover. And sometimes when you have a hangover, to make the pain go away, you drink more. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> to avoid it, you drink more. And that's kind of what I did um, when we became debt-free. I had I had created this idol in my life um, of of the debt. And it was a negative idol, but I had still mm-hmm. been like – kind of worshiping this idol for two years Um, and then it was gone and I had nothing left to quote unquote worship. And I I use, I came from Dave, to Dave Ramsey, like from the church, like I'm a Christian. I think he's very unhealthy um, for Christ followers. And it's kind of because of this, that it's so easy for us to like be used to worshiping um, someone Mm -hmm. that we can just replace that with debt. And that's exactly what I was doing. And so when I didn't have the debt, I needed something else to quote unquote worship. And it became actually early retirement for um, about a year. We We tried that for about a year where I maxed out my 401k. I actually got called into HR and they were like, you have decided to max out your 401k and that's like half of your salary. Did you mean to do that? And I was like, yeah, I meant to do that. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> it <a> true story. That <laughs> was very nice of them yeah. to check
1: in. <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah, we did that for about a year. And then I got laid off um, eight weeks mm-hmm. before giving birth and I had to reevaluate. It was one of those big, you know, loss of income life changing events Um, where I had kind of been building up um, my network in personal finance. So like I knew I wasn't going to go back to working for someone. I was going to work for myself. Um, But so that's when I had to reevaluate like, is this FIRE journey actually what I want? Or is it just a continuation of the lifestyle I've been told that I need to lead? Um, Because being financially independent or, you know, financial security is the most important thing. And that, and we had already been doing the podcast for like a year at that point. And that was really the catalyst for me saying like, I I have been saying these things about frugality for so long and I haven't really been taking them to heart and like saying like, what do I want? What is money getting me? And I'm just like saving for saving's sake. Um, and that's when I had to sit down and like look at why did I start this in the first place? Why did I? Why am I doing this? Do I need to be financially independent to do what I want to do? No, because I don't want to stop working. I love working. I love writing. So that already takes the retire early piece out. But it already, but that takes most of the financial independence place out too, because I'm not going to work for someone. I'm going to work for myself. So. That was very much the catalyst for me re-examining the FIRE movement and, and looking at it with with renewed eyes. And I see a lot of people in there just to have another idol to worship, like, at you know, just to have something to do to say that, you know, makes them better than other people or um, have a goal to work towards. So... Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible perspective that um, th- the, just being given some kind of goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it speaks to that idea that people are always just looking for the right thing to do. And so if, you know, being given a huge life goal like that is something that you can constantly every day say, as long as I'm working towards that, then I am doing the right thing. And and there are some very simple kind of right things that you can do to work toward um, an early retirement or financial independence. Um, what I like about what you're doing is it feels like you've really redefined it. Like I think that, and and this kind of, it's it's something for me too, is like the term financial independence I really love and would love to use it, but it kind of has this very specific meaning in <laughs> personal finance. And so I can't. But they, it feels like you've taken it and sort of reimagined that through how you define frugality. Mm-hmm. That when you say that, that sounds like financial independence to me in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that uh and and even the retire early piece of it of like what you have done is you're no longer chained to any specific kind of work or any particular job. Um, or dependent on a particular industry, you are just able to do the work you want to do, which it seems, you know, in following people's FIRE journeys, that that actually is what they get to, is people don't tend to stop working. When you, um, when you are able to buckle down for mm-hmm. 10 years to that degree, um, most people don't just stop. <laughs> so they just find kind of, it ends up being Freedom is ultimately what people mm-hmm. are looking for, is that freedom.
1: Yeah. I would so. say, I would describe us as financially secure. Like we have financial mm-hmm. security. And security is all I want with money. Like that's to look at a number in my bank account and feel secure about it. That's that's what the number needs to say. To look at our investments and feel secure for the future. Nobody knows what the future holds that we keep investing and we keep, you know, making good financial choices because you can't rely on just the present. But mm-hmm. that's what I feel like I have financial security and I financial independence is quite selfish because it means you're independent from other people. That um, you don't need other people. Like you're you're on your own uh, and. And I feel like I want to need other people. Like I want to be able to like go down the street to my neighbor and be like, "Hey, can I borrow a leaf blower if mine, you know, dies?" Or um, to have, you know, to be able to watch my friend's kids so she can go do something. Like there's so much value in that form of like capital, like interconnected community capital. Yeah. That I. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a very independent person by nature. So I've had to kind of learn that lesson is that community capital is quite valuable. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where I've landed on it.
0: That's really lovely. I love that. And and that's good to keep in mind too, is that working toward that independence can instead actually be isolating instead of freeing. Yeah, Um, for sure. So given... This journey that you've been on, which I think essentially like when I look at your story, you kind of touch like everywhere that personal finance has been over the last 30 years, even though you haven't been in it for 30 (laughs) years. But um, and so you're so familiar with the space and the way that people have approached it. Um, And and so you're doing a lot of this work now, which is teaching personal finance in kind of a different way um, and guiding people through the work that you're doing but what in general would you like to see change in the industry about the ways that we talk about personal finance in our culture and the ways that we're teaching it through media coaching and and other work that we're doing
1: yeah i think one of the things this is a very nuanced thing but to have like fiduciary financial planners be able to do more on social media right now their licenses kind of prohibit them from doing a lot of educating on like on the internet um at least some some like li- series um i'm not totally familiar with it but like yeah you don't hear a lot of them talking unless they've given up that particular um series licensure so and they have the most credible information if you're going to go cite a source you're going to go to them <laughs> but there right. uh, you see like people in their 20s giving out, with a million followers on TikTok, giving out financial advice (laughs) who have good financial advice, but like not a lot of experience and not a lot of like experience seeing like clients or other people.
0: Right. A singular perspective on their their own relationship with money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's something very specific I'd like Mm -hmm. to see change because I mean- yeah, we've interviewed but, So financial
0: a lot. planners are avoiding that kind of financial advice because it's
1: it um, there is a confliction is counter to there. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. I've we've interviewed like some CFPs and there are and, and it's not as much a problem on the podcast, but like they can't have like social media accounts like somebody else does because it conflicts, like it goes against like regulations um mm-hmm. for whatever series they have. Um And I was like, well, that's – you're a wealth of knowledge. You should be sharing this knowledge with people. Yes. And that's why you see a lot of – Instead of just
0: giving it out kind of one-to-one individual, like you could make such a bigger impact.
1: And that's why you see a lot – like most influencers don't have – you just don't bother with becoming CFPs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think I would also obviously like to see a bigger – a lift up in how we talk about intentional spending. That it's not as much about, like, oh, I'm getting the cheapest deal on all these things, or I make so much money in my side hustle, I can afford all of this. But we really elevate and celebrate, like, intentional spending and making intentional choices with our money um, and simple living honestly, like I would love to see that celebrated more in our culture. So maybe.
0: I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
0: I'm that's a hundred percent. The direction I'm going with healthy rich as well as focusing on conscious spending, um, celebrating spending and not demonizing it, which is so much is um, we really only celebrate saving and spending less. Um, and that's why I love your redefining and kind of reclaiming of frugality, and including that—that that it's not a restriction on spending, but that it's a, um, but that it's a more intentional way of living and using all of the resources available to you. So I think that's so fantastic, and I'm just so appreciative of the work that you're doing. Um, love listening to your podcast. I will recommend again for everyone to um, check check you out, you and Jill on the Frugal Friends podcast. Um, it's always it's always a delight. I'm always I'm always delightfully surprised because you approach sort of typical personal finance topics that would normally be, that I would normally shy away from that I would think would be boring or unapproachable. And the way that you talk about them, just your personalities are fantastic. And also your approach to um, frugality, finding that radical middle and this, this much more openness to it. I always really appreciate. So mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend.
1: Thank you so much. That is, yeah. that's, we, tr- we try to do that. So thank you for seeing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for um, being here today and and sharing that with us for the Healthy Rich podcast too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This was so fun. I got to talk about some of my favorite topics.
0: Do you know someone who could use a broader perspective on work and money? Share this episode to invite them into the conversation. Head to healthyrich.co for more information from today's episode. And while you're there, sign up for the Healthy Rich newsletter to be the first to know when we drop something new. And remember our motto, work should be fun and money should be easy. Thank you for being part of our quest to make money better for everyone.